Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Thank you so very, very much, uh, Kever. And uh, hey, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Mr. Billy, well, you could either call him Mr. Billy Mitchell or Mr. Apollo Billy Mitchell or Mr. Billy, Mr. Apollo Mitchell. Anyway, he's here with us today and he has uh, started his career at the Apollo years ago, he started running errands for people like James Brown and uh, and a whole bunch of other folks that he'll talk to us about. He is the historical tour manager and tour director, and his book is called "They Call Me Mr. Apollo." So, Mr. Billy Mitchell, who is Mr. Apollo, hello there, and welcome to What's Hot Harlem you? America. How are you, my dear friend? It's so good to see you, G. Keith. My pleasure. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we were able to make it. So, Billy, uh, how have you been holding up during this uh, COVID? Well, I've been fortunate. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm home with my, my sugar wooger, my wife, Barbara Mitchell. Uh, she's, we've been taking care of each other, you know, during this whole pandemic uh, thing. So we're, we're eating right. Uh, we're keeping our mind right, uh, trying to stay healthy, you know, and I've been very busy doing things remotely from home for the Apollo Theater. Now, that's amazing because, you know, you're, <laughs> you're remotely from home because you're the, the, the tour director. And I, I've been in the Apollo while you're giving tours. So how do you give tours from home? Well, we, we, we created uh, back in January, uh, Brad San Martin, who is our digital archivist, uh, we created this virtual tour that we're going to be rolling out to the public very, very soon. But we've been doing uh, test runs of it for corporations and things like that. So we have a virtual tour that we're going to offer to the public very soon uh, because they're not allowed in the theater because we are we're not allowed to have uh, our public into the theater yet. So we had to pivot and we created this virtual tour that is just outstanding. Uh, the response has been incredible. Uh, you know, you get to see uh, film footage, uh, photos that people never saw before. Uh, I give my personal, share my personal journey of the Apollo Theater on this virtual tour. So it's, it's out exciting. Uh, it's educational and a lot of fun and it'll be out very, very soon. That is great to hear because uh, you started out Early on, like maybe 1965 at the Apollo. So who's better to give a, a, a tour or a retrospective than Mr. Billy Mitchell? Yes, sir. And that was one of the things why I created the tour. I went to management back in 1991 or 92. And I, you know, posed that question, you know, could I start doing tours of the theater? And he says, tours? I said, yeah, you know, with the things that I've experienced and, you know, being articulate and with my theater background, I'll create this picture of the Apollo as I guide people backstage to the dressing rooms and, and share with them the things that I've seen and who performed here and who did what. So it, it, it worked out very bigger than we ever thought, you know. So now we get visitors from all over the world uh, who now visit the Apollo Theater for our, uh, what we call our Apollo Historic Tour. 
Okay, we'll get back to the Apollo Theater in just a few minutes, but uh, let's go, let's take the Wayback Machine yes. and, and tell us what was it like for you uh, as a high school student? Right. Well, I was born and raised in the wonderful city of Mount Vernon, New York. Shout out to Mount Vernon. Uh, and uh, I'm one of 14 children that my mom eventually had. Imagine 14 wow. children. Uh, we were very, very, very poor. Uh, in 1958, unfortunately, we were uh, evicted from our home in Mount Vernon, and uh, some of us were, were placed in the forced to care. Uh, some were eventually adopted. Uh, my dad took some of uh, my siblings with him. Uh, my mom had a couple with her, and we were all separated. And uh, in uh, 19, that was in 1958, in 1962, uh, me and my two brothers, who they kept together, we were reunited with my mom. And we went back to Mount Vernon only to uh, have to leave in 1964. And we moved to the South Bronx. And uh, while living in the South Bronx, we were still going through hardships, you know. And, and it was one day in 1965 when my mom asked me to go down to Harlem to borrow some money from her cousin, because my mother was born in the original Harlem Hospital. That's oh. why I have so much love for Harlem. My mother was born, she's a Harlemite. So I went to borrow the money from her cousin who just happened to live directly across the street from the backstage door of the Apollo. Right now, it's a schoolyard. But back in the 60s, there was a row of buildings there, as, as well as a hotel. And my mom's cousin was, was there. I don't know if she lived there or was visiting. So I went there to get the money. And, and she wasn't there at the time I went to get the money. So I waited for her by walking up and down 126th Street. And I eventually stopped in front of the backstage door of the Apollo Theater. And Frank Schiffman, who happened to be in the building that time, he was the owner. And he comes out and says, what are you doing back here? I said, I'm just waiting for my mom's cousin. And he says, while you're waiting, you, uh, uh, we have some people inside rehearsal for a show and they need somebody to go get their coffee and their shoes shine and newspapers. And if you do that, they'll give you a tip. And that was in 1965. That was the first time I was ever inside the building, the Apollo Theater. And Frank Schiff allowed me to come back, you know, after school on the weekends. And that's how I initially started the Apollo Theater. Incredible. Uh, what a stroke of luck or, or blessing. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So now you started working at the Apollo going as an errand boy to get the coffee and donuts and so yeah. forth, whatever. Uh, who are some of the, 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 the stars that you did this for? I used to run errands for B.B. Uh, King and his band, uh, our moms, Mabley, uh, James Brown, uh, some of the Motown acts, uh, Flip Wilson, you know, you know, all the acts that performed at the Apollo Theater back then when I needed some cash, I would just leave the Bronx and come down to the Apollo Theater and just, you know, I wasn't on their their payroll. But, you know, Mr. Schiffman knew I was going to be standing back there. And if somebody needed something, I was the guy, the, the kid to go run and get it for them. So uh, I became uh, known to a lot of the, the performers back there. And they uh, they really uh, helped me out. Uh, you know, back then I was, you know, I wasn't uh, kept right. You know, my hygiene wasn't together. And I think they felt sorry for me. And so they would really give me nice tips, uh, which I, I even saved some of that money. You know, I, I was helping my mother out with it. And I saved some whenever I need a new shirt or new pants. I would go around the corner to Layton's and buy the, the latest uh, shirt or sweater because everybody. Oh, I remember. I, I, yeah. I remember Layton's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, I couldn't afford it, you know, and, and all my friends uh, used to tease me because I had just moved from Mount Vernon and I wasn't dressing like 
the guys from the, from uh, the Bronx or Manhattan. So I was teased a lot. So I would save my money up and I would buy the latest gear, you know, latest sweater, latest pants, latest cap, you know, uh, so I wouldn't be bullied and teased by the clothing that I wore, you know, because my family couldn't afford it. Back then, you could get a beautiful sweater at Layton's for about 50 bucks. Oh, I mean, I mean the best of the best. Oh, you. yeah. I mean, yeah. great, great material. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, now you were in school, but your grades weren't that great. How significant, how important was James Brown to your education? Well, you know, uh, when I moved from the Bronx, I was in uh, junior high school. Uh, mm -hmm. When I moved from Mount Vernon to the Bronx, I was in junior high school. And uh, being in a new environment and a new kid around, uh, the kids from the Bronx, uh, they, you know, they didn't see this, this. They thought I was from down south somewhere because, you know, you, you say you're from Mount Vernon. People don't know the geography. They think you're from some up on some mountain somewhere, you know, <laughs> and they didn't realize that Mount Vernon is a block away from the, the, the North Bronx. Right. So but even though I wasn't dressing like these these kids, uh, I was bullied. I was, you know, called stinky boy, you know, because, you know, our hygiene wasn't kept up, you know, just the way our family was back then, unfortunately. But anyway, Anyway, you know, um, uh, I, I didn't pay attention to school because I was being bombarded with all these, you know, uh, bullying antics. And so I wouldn't raise my hand in class when the teacher was teaching uh, things that I didn't understand. And because I didn't raise my hand and ask for help, uh, I couldn't apply the correct answer to the test and I failed. And around that time, I was running errands at the Apollo Theater. And I remember Mr. Brown, James Brown, was always there. And every time I would see him, he would always ask me, how was I doing in school? And I always told him that I was doing great because I, I, I you know, <laughs> you know, he was lying, you know. And then I see him again. And he, he, he always asked the same question. Hey, hey Mr. Billy, because he always called me Billy. And that was one thing that freaked me out. Why was this adult call me Mr. Billy? But he called everybody Mr. Right. That's so right. Mr. Billy, how you doing in school? I said, I'm doing great. And apparently, uh, G. Keith. He, he didn't believe it, you know, so he, he made me leave the Apollo one day. I'm not lying. He made me leave the Apollo one day, go all the way to the Bronx, get my report card, bring it back and show it to him to prove that I was doing great. And I wasn't. I was failing mostly all of my subjects. And he was pissed. First of all, he was pissed that I lied to him. Mm. Secondly, he was pissed that I was failing. And he says, man, don't come back anymore and run errors until you can prove that your grades had gone up. And when he said that to me, I didn't really understand. I knew he was a performer, but I also thought that he was one of the owners of the place. For that man to tell me I wasn't allowed to come back, he must be somebody <laughs> with a lot of pull, right? But either way I looked at it, uh, it prompted me to go to school and start, because I need the money so bad. And mm -hmm. I, it was so desperate. So I went to school, I started asking for help. Uh, I started raising my hand in class. Um, I was cognizant of my classmates watching me and I thought they were going to call me stupid for asking questions. And I found out that they needed answers themselves. So they started raising their hand. And before you know it, everybody in the classroom was raising their hand, asking questions. And I finally started understanding what the teacher was teaching. And I applied it to my test. And I went from failing everything to being on the honor roll. And it just so happened I went to high school. Yep. I went on to high school. I was doing well in high school, 
And I remember uh, telling Mr. Brown that I had finally graduated from high school and he asked me, what was I going to do? I told him that I wanted to continue uh, my education because it started feeling good because I'm starting to get good grades and education was important. So he says, well, what do you want to do? I says, I don't know. I, I, I think I want to get into business. So he gave me a graduation gift and I saved that money. It was a nice, nice piece of money, right? I saved that money along with some tips that I had gotten from Marvin Gaye. And I took the monies and I enrolled in a business school on 23rd in Lexington called the New York Institute of Credit. And I was a credit analyst for financial corporations and doing credit collections. uh, And that was all due to the monies that I received from James Brown and Marvin Gaye because my family didn't have it. I just saved that money. You know, I was helping my mother out with this, buying a shirt with this and stashing some so I so I can enter this school, you know, and uh, it was thanks to James Brown. I went to school and uh, I, I I got my training in in, in uh you know credit and and uh, collections management and I started working in banks and and fashion houses in their in their uh, credit and collection departments. What a great story! I mean, uh, and and it's a, a a great testament to Mr. James Brown. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I I too, if I may share the story, uh, I had uh, partnered with a, a young man, a comedian named Joe Keys. And we had a script, a movie script, that we wanted the actress Beverly Todd to do. I don't know if you remember Beverly oh, Todd. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And so I went to James Brown, and James gave me $13,000. James says, go to my lawyer, have him write you a check for $13,000 as seed money. And so this the seed money was, was to, to get this, this show on the road. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, my partner and I, we, we, we broke up. And I gave the money back to James Brown. Right. Uh, but, but James was that type of uh, individual who uh, did not mind helping people. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, I, 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 I just love him for that. And then later on, years later, he, he, he gave me a, a, another musical gift. For, uh, they went to, into the studio. He and, the, <clears throat> he and Danny Ray and, uh, and, and, and the JBs went into the studio and they recorded a happy birthday uh, 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 tune for me and, wow. and, and gave that to me as a gift. So that, that's a, a, a great uh, uh, thing that James did for you because look at you now. Yeah, yeah. And I speak with his daughter, Deanna, all the time. Uh, you know, uh, we become very close, uh, Deanna, his, his daughter. And as a matter of fact, they have a, a school uh, called the James Brown Music Academy. Oh, really? Uh, and, they, and they brought their students up to the Apollo Theater a few years ago for a tour. And I'm taking them around and whatnot. And it just so happened it was on the same night as the Amateur Night Show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the kids uh, that came from the James Brown Academy, they were musicians. And, and so they played a little something for me. And I said, damn, these kids are really good, though, you know. <laughs> so I went to the producer of Amateur Night, mm-hmm. uh, Marion Caffey. And I said, man, this is James Brown's school uh, band. And he got them a place on that night's Amateur Night Show. Fantastic. Yeah, it was like I'm there in the wings with tears going down my eyes. I'm thinking about James Brown. And now his daughter's bringing kids from his school to the Apollo Theater to perform. And they're performing on amateur night. It's just an incredible, incredible, uh, you know, time in my life. I was at the Apollo. uh, Well, I've been there for many times, many years. But but I was at the Apollo, I guess was before COVID. uh, James Brown's daughter. Uh, was there and then she was on stage uh, mm-hmm. singing along with I think it was Nona Hendrix and uh, yeah. 
and, and some other folks. I, I forget the name of uh, I, I think it was Say It Loud. I'm Black and I'm Proud was the name. Yeah, the name James Brown and right. uh, his daughter Deanna came was on stage with all the the guest stars. Christian McKnight was the music the director for that right. event. Uh, it was a, a wonder, you know, say because the movie was about to come out with uh, Chadwick Boseman. And uh, so so that was, a, a, you know, a, a connection to that Say It Loud, uh, you know, because uh, that's James Brown's, my favorite James Brown song, it was Say It Loud, you know. I'm black uh, and I'm proud. It's my favorite James Brown song, <laughs> man, you know. Oh, yes. Well, look, we've got less than a minute before we uh, take a break. And I just want to say that I'm so happy that I'm here with uh, Mr. Apollo, Mr. Billy Mitchell. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't been to the Apollo because you're you're living in another country or another world or on another planet, uh, you, you've got to check out their uh, digital stage. Right now, the Apollo Theater has this digital stage where they have performers and, and various events going on. Make sure you check it out. We'll be right back real soon. This is G. Keith Alexander, and you're in Harlem, America, and this is What's Hot Harlem, America with G. Keith. We'll be right back. Harlem, Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Where Chase is advancing Black Pathways. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them. They subscribe to them. And they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Yes, and I just want to say that if you happen to be a small black business owner and you want to have a larger footprint and you want to recover or restore your business because of the uh, the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, well, we can bring fame, fortune, and followers to your business right here at Harlem America Digital Network. We've got a program, a package for small business owners that will make uh, it'll just explode your brand. Mm-hmm. So please check us out on Harlem America Digital Network at harlemamerica.com. Now we're sitting here with Mr. Billy Mitchell, and I like to call him Mr. Apollo, and a lot of his friends call him Mr. Apollo. And we'll talk about his book that's called They Call Him Mr. Apollo in just a brief bit. But right now, Billy, I'm sure you've got some other great stories you can share with us about some of the people that you've had to uh, engage with uh, at the Apollo. Yeah. Well, you know, I always have this, uh, I I think about Jackie Moms Mabley, uh, the comedian. 
Uh, I remember when she used to run errands, I used to run errands for her at the Apollo Theater. And I do remember one time she uh, invited me and these other young kids to go up to her house in White Plains. I think, I think it was White Plains or Greenberg to clean up her basement or a garage or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I remember that so vividly because, um, you know, Moms Mabley uh, was actually, actually the first uh, woman that I saw wearing men's clothes. You know, you're talking about in the 60s. And I shared this with Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi had done a um, uh, uh, animated uh, uh, biopic on Moms Mabley. So mm-hmm. when they came and interviewed me, I mentioned that to Whoopi and uh, producers. I said, yeah, Moms Mabley, I, I, I would see it with the house dress on and the, and the you know, the cap and the sweater on stage. Right, right, right. But after the show, she would put on these men's pants and, and men's shirts. And, and, I, and, and as a young kid, I didn't understand that, right? I, I really didn't understand that. So when I shared that with the, the producer, they, they, they did their research and found out that, you know, that's, that was her lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they used it uh, as well as my um, testimony in, in, in that little animated uh, uh, thing that moms made, that uh, Whoopi did for Moms Mabley. Oh, really? Mabley uh-huh. was, uh, I remember Flip Wilson, uh, I remember running errands for Red Fox, uh, uh, you know, and I remember <laughs> Red Fox one time, uh, I went to the store for him. I think he told me to, to go get him some coffee. And, 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 you know, I had to get other things. And I think I brought back some tea. And, and he jumped in my case, man. He said, you, you know, you little stupid little Maryland farmer. I told you I wanted some coffee, right? And I didn't know what he meant by Maryland farmers. So I remember I went and asked my mother. I said, Mom, I didn't know you, you, you were farmers from Maryland. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, Red Fox, you know, I, I made a mistake and he called me a stupid little Maryland farmer. She says, what? And what he meant by it, he called me an MF. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland farmer. He called me MF. He said, you stupid little Maryland farmer. I told you I wanted this, you know. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Fox, you know. But uh, it's, it's moments that I look back and th- I think about those moments. And I, and I, I recall um, one time Ray Charles uh, was in the alleyway back, you know, back in the park, there's an alleyway. And that's where everybody gathered. They would have cookouts back there. They would, they would play cards. They would shoot dice back. They would drink their wine, do their thing back there. And I remember one time Ray Charles was back there playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to you, he was playing cards. And somebody would, at the time, they would whisper, there was somebody standing there, they would whisper something. And all of a sudden, I hear this commotion, you know, people and cursing, whatnot. And apparently, uh, Ray Charles had made a mark on a card to, with his nail to identify the card. And he was cheating and people busted him, right? <laughs> and man, when I heard them yelling and cursing and whatnot, but you know, you know, that's what they do sometimes. When black folks get, we yell, we, you know, curse and get all loud. And sometimes that's, that's just part of our culture. Right. And, but it frightened the hell out of me, man. <laughs> and I remember taking off, man. I, I, I got the hell up out of there. But uh, I remember that time, yeah, Ray Charles was busted for supposedly, allegedly cheating playing cards, man. Incredible. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so Ray Charles. Now, uh, what about uh, uh, you? Got a chance to see some of the, the the female acts coming through the Apollo Theater. Oh, oh yeah. Who are some of those that you perhaps uh, ran errands for? Uh, uh, Patty Bell and the Blue Bells. Um, let's see. Uh, the Supremes. Um, uh, was was it? 
the girl sing, maybe if, uh, oh God, I forget her name. She was a dear friend of my, my sister, uh, uh, Marlene, uh, Arlene Smith from the, the Chantels. Ah, okay. Maybe if I, you know, that's Arlene Smith. Uh, 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 she was part of my family uh, when I was a little boy, and I remember, uh, you know, when I was running errands for her, they, they were, they were, they didn't become very famous. That was one of the hit songs, and you know, and I later on in life uh, directed Arlene in a, a, a gospel music musical called uh, Say Yes to Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it, it just evolved. But a lot of females. Uh, uh, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Gloria Lynn. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were friends. As a matter of fact, I I spoke at her funeral. Uh, you know, Gloria. And, I wish you bluebirds in the spring. Yes, yes. Give your heart a song to sing, but most of all, when snowflakes fall, I, I wish, wish you. Love. Love. Yes. Sweet, Gloria, sweet Gloria Lynn. Uh, uh, I ran errands for her. You know, so a lot of females. I remember uh, running errands for Celia Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, this was her last performance at the Apollo Theater. This was like in the 2000s, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, Celia Cruz had her last performance at the Apollo Theater, uh, and she she unfortunately transitioned uh, shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was blessed to uh, work at the Apollo Theater. My My first job at the Apollo Theater uh, started out when Bobby Schiffman, hired me to be a host, the MC for the Temptations and Spinner show. Yes. Now this goes back 1973 and the, the Temptations had no hit at the time, but the Spinners had One Night Love Affair, I'll Be Around, Sadie, oh. and all the big hits. Ooh. So I'm on stage my first time uh, as MC for a week. We did 10 shows, I guess, that week or something like that. Uh, and uh, when I bring out the Temptations, the crowd would boo them. They threw fruit, they threw uh, coins, and they would, they would boo the Temptations. And, so, and this went on for every single act. And so it, 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 I, I was so hurt myself because I love the Temptations. And then, and then I'd bring out the comedian, Franklin Ajay. Oh, wow. And they would boo Franklin Ajay and, <laughs> and throw fruit at him. And I'd have to go backstage and, and console him. He'd be sitting on the steps. But then when I brought out the spinners and Felipe Wynn, you know, one would be jumping on one leg, the, the audience loved the spinners. Yeah. And all week long, the spinners, they, they were the headliners. And uh, that was my first experience emceeing shows at the Apollo Theater. Wow. So that's because, you know, the temps were always the dynamic group that everybody wanted to see. Exactly. And at that time, as that you said that you mentioned uh, that you uh, hosted the show, they had no hits out that time, apparently. That was and, like 1973. Yeah. Their hits were later on in the 60s and late, you know, late 60s. Uh, they didn't come back out with hits till, till later on after that, that, that performance. But uh, I can understand how the spinners uh, got received the love because they were they were tight, man. They, I mean, they the spinners were. were oh my god, they were they were awesome group, absolutely. 
They were. Now, I don't know how I didn't run into you back in those days, because I don't know if you remember a guy named Alton Collier, who used to sell eight by 10 glossy photos in front of the Apollo Theater. That's right. Yes, that's right. Well, well, he recruited me to be his assistant. And so we would sell those pictures out in front of the Apollo Theater when the acts were there. And then Honey Coles and David, who was the, 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 the manager, assistant manager, would come out and chase us away. And we'd run around back and we'd catch the audience coming out the back doors. And when James Brown or the Temptations were in town, we'd make like $700 cash. I know. You know, it, 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 was, it was an amazing thing. So, so I left that uh, position when I got hired at WBLS, when Frankie hired me at WBLS. And wow. it was like maybe six months later was when Bobby Schiffman called me. I didn't even know Bobby Schiffman. He called me at WBLS and asked me to be the MC at the Apollo Theater. And, and I was just a little Rudy Pooh. I didn't know anything. But you know what? He paid me $800. True. And now I'm a, I, in 1973, I'm in my 20s, and someone gives you $800. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Absolutely. It's a lot of money today. But, you know, but imagine 73. I mean, the kind of money that was. Yes. You know, and it's, it is so interesting that you, you mentioned that, you know, we, we, you don't know how you might have seen me. I wasn't there every day. You know, I, I, I was there, you know, when I needed some cash and things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I was fortunate, you know, to to meet all these wonderful people. We and you mentioned Honey Coles. Oh my yeah. God! At, at one time, um, one of my many positions at the Apollo was uh, I used to manage the gift shop. Uh, we opened up in front in front of the theater was a the gift shop, mm-hmm. and I was managing that uh, during the Sutton when Mr. Sutton owned the theater. Yes. And and uh, I have a photo of me and Honey Coles and one of the sales girls. That that and now for those who are listening, Honey Cole was part of the dance duo known as the Copacetics, and uh, he became one of the greatest uh, hoofers or tap dancers uh, of his time. Very very smooth, very uh, you know tall, good looking guy. But he also uh, managed and and co managed the Apollo Theater at 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 one time. Uh, the great Honey Coles, uh, and that's who. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Heinz brothers, you know, aside from their, 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 their dad, uh, Honey Coles is a, be- a big influence in their style of tap dancing, you know. So Honey Coles was, you mentioned Honey Coles and it just made my heart flutter, you know. Uh, in my book, I have a photo of me, Honey Coles, and, and uh, the uh, salesperson in, in, in the store. Yeah, Honey Coles well, is very great. Well, Honey Coles, his partner during the time that he had his tap dancing act was so Charlie Atkins. Atkins, yep, and and Charlie was the one who groomed all of the Motown uh, acts. He, he gave them the polish and the moves and 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 all of the the the, the things that we've come to know them for. Uh, that was Charlie Atkins. That is so true. I'm glad you let the public know that because you know you see the Temptations walk, you know, and all the moves that the Temps those were all choreographed by Charlie Atkins, you know, and he was part of that duo, the Copacetics with uh, with Honey Coles and and Honey Coles a big time Holomite. You know, he could walk down 125th Street and hey, honey. Hey, hey, what's up, baby? Hey, honey, go. And uh, and, and Charlie Atkins, you know, taught the Supremes. All the Motown acts, you know, uh, from the, you know, the the Miracles. Well, they had to go through this process, you know, uh, uh, artist development, et cetera, choreography, uh, how to talk in interviews, et cetera. But when it came down to um, choreography, uh, Charlie Atkins was the guy for Motown who taught all those acts, uh, those fabulous moves, particularly the temps. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
So, you know, um, I, I've spent many years uh, in the Apollo and I've seen the dressing rooms. I've even gotten dressed in some of the dressing rooms. Uh, 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 some of the dressing rooms now have, have names on them. In fact, you've got the, the, the there's a room where uh, downstairs where Flip Wilson yeah. uh, used to get dressed in. And yeah. That's downstairs. Yep. Th- then there's another room with, tell us the, 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 yeah. the, the names well, of the. Well, I named that room the Flip Wilson room. Oh, really? Uh, that was my idea. Yeah, because uh, when I used to run errands, uh, that's where Flip would get dressed so he could quickly get onto the stage rather than coming from the other side where the dress rooms were. Mm-hmm. And and Flip Wilson, uh, I would, you know, he would send me to the store. I would knock on the door, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and uh, he would slip a note underneath the door. Uh, he would never open up the door. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he would slip a note underneath the door, tell me what he wanted from the store and and the money to get it. And I would bring the, the 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 food back, and I would knock on the door. Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, your food is here. All right, thank you. And he would never open the door, and I used to wonder why. And then I remember one day they were doing a sound check, and he was up on the stage. And I went downstairs to the green room where the dress room was, and the door was slightly ajar. Mm-hmm. And I looked inside, and there was a cot, right, mm-hmm. along with uh, uh, some suits hanging up on one of the pipes, mm-hmm. and there was a sink in there as well. So Flip will say all the, the, the accommodations that were better than the dress rooms upstairs, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it suits and, and the clothes and things hanging off the thing. So as time went by, we changed management and we started, I started doing the tours. So I went to management. I told him the story about where Flip Wilson got dressed. So we decided to put a, 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 a post on the door calling it the Flip Wilson room. I but that was that. also the room that a lot of times Sandman got dressed later on before oh. on amateur night so we'd have easy access to the stage so but i named the flip wilson room, but that's also where sandman and for those you uh uh want to know who sandman is sandman sims was also a great tap dancer and his position at the apollo theater during amateur night was the executioner now the executioner was the guy who went on stage and chased people off the stage when they were booed by the audience but most people got to know sandman from the tv show it's showtime at the apollo however the original executioner started in 1954 was a guy named norman miller who they call puerto rico oh, right really? And, and, and Puerto Rico was a stagehand at the Apollo back then. And during amateur night, there was a performance on the stage that Puerto Rico didn't like. So he slightly ran on stage and said, boo, and, and the crowd started laughing, right? So <laughs> this went on for a while. So they decided to keep that in the show and call the character Executioner. When the theater closed in 77 by the Shipmans and Mr. Sutton reopened in 1985, he wanted to continue that character. So... Puerto Rico had retired, so they hired Howard Sandman Sims to be the new executioner to chase people off the stage until he transitioned. Now we have uh, C.P. Lacey. The great uh, C.P. Lacey. Great he, Lacey. He, he, he's been on our show as well. C.P. Lacey's the best. He's an impersonator. He does everybody from Barack Obama to, to uh, Snoop Dogg to James Brown to Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson. I mean, C.P. Lacey is one of the best impersonators I've ever seen in my life. He does Prince. I mean, and he does them really, really well. 
so you know, that that he changes his whole character. Yes, he he puts on their their outfit, their their signature outfits. Does the makeup, and he looks just like them, and he expresses himself the same the same exact way. All the little mannerisms and idiosyncrasies that these uh, acts have, C.P. Lacey nails them. I mean, you you know exactly who he's talking about. First, it's visual. You'll see because he makes he spends a lot of money on the makeup and the clothing that he wears to to do these particular characters and he's just one of the best and a dear friend a great actor great director uh, he's got his own uh, uh you know podcast as well the cp lacy show and uh just a, a very dear friend a very spiritual guy uh used to do uh you know street comedy you know mm-hmm. a, a, mm-hmm. along with all the greats from you know uh charlie murphy and all those guys started out there union square i mean uh uh, 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 uh on 59th street and um and uh, uh columbus circle Columbus Circle, all those guys yeah. out there, you know, uh, they, they they started all their comedy out there doing street comedy. And uh, and a lot of them went on to have extreme success. Uh, C.P. C. Laces has his own success in his own right, but he's just one of the best out there and still doing it to this day. Sure, he certainly is. So we've got about a minute left and uh, before we take a break and, and, and come back. And I just want to remind people that you can check out What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander every Friday at uh, 1 p.m. And you can catch us live on Voice America Variety Channel or HarlemAmerica.com. And uh, we've got all of our podcasts from uh, uh, the months and months from, uh, you know, before all of our podcasts are up there. So you can always go there and check us out and you can always uh, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts where you can find Harlem America with G Keith Alexander. So uh, Billy, when we come back uh, your book, man, you've got some great stories in your book and uh, we want to find out how you got the title, Mr. Apollo theater. So we'll do that when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Don't go away. All right. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem, America. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're here with Mr. Apollo and Billy Mitchell. 
Uh, Billy, you know, for uh, maybe about uh, eight, nine, ten years, I've uh, been fortunate enough to be the announcer at the Apollo whenever there's a spring gala. And uh, I've had a chance to work with some really great musicians and some great artists. And, and one of the great musicians uh, coming out of the Apollo Theater is Mr. Ray Chu. Let's give some props to Ray Chu. Absolutely. And, uh, what's it like? Because you've worked with uh, uh, all these wonderful uh, musicians. What is it like uh, being a part of the Apollo Theater family and knowing that all of this history and 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 uh, the 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 celebrities and and big names you've had an opportunity to associate with? Well, you, uh, shout out to Ray Chu. I just spoke with Ray last week. It's, you, you, it's funny that you mentioned I just spoke to Ray last week. Uh, uh, Ray Chu is probably premier music director, uh, musician in the world. Uh, Ray Chu is very special, very, very uh, a good man. Uh, uh, one of the best, you know, you, you've seen him on all the, the major TV, Dancing with the Stars and American. I, you know, it, it, it was Ray Chu and the crew of the band, as well as being the band for his Showtime at the Apollo. But I remember Ray back in the 70s. Ray, as a young teenager, was the music director for Ashford and Simpson, you know, yes. as a young, young man, you know. And uh, so as time went by, you know, you just see him progress and, and get better and better. But, you know, being around all these musicians, I, I have a, a, a habit or point to when there's a performance, when I'm available, I like to stand in the wings and watch these musicians, you know, over time and just see the musicians do their thing and the energy that they send out to the audience and how the audience receives it. I, I've been so fortunate and so blessed. I don't know how the creator just put me in the position to see all this stuff. Why me? You know, but <laughs> I, I, I receive it and I'm so grateful. Now, as far as the name Mr. Apollo, I've never called myself that. Uh, they call me Mr. Apollo. And it was a name that was given to me by the people of Harlem. Uh, back in the early 2000s, I, I used to coordinate at the Apollo Theater a, um, a, a, a movie program for kids called Apollo Movies for Kids. And it was sponsored by Lehman Brothers, the financial corporation, right? And we would invite free of charge kids from uh, NYCHA, uh, kids from shelters, kids from the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, you know, all over to come see a movie free of charge all year long. We reached out to some of the major studios like uh, Viacom and, and Disney, and they were so gracious to give us the the, the, the master tapes mm -hmm. to show these movies. And we, we had popcorn and Frankfurters for the kids, wow. and it was free. It was wow. free. We did this during the summer, spring, fall, all year long, and we got the latest movies out and shown to the kids before they were actually in the movie theaters around me. And then the, the Magic Johnson Theater picked up on it and they started really? on a movie kid. But, you know, I would see people in the community as I walked around back then and the little kids would be with their parents. They would say, hi, Mr. Apollo, you know, and their parents thought, <laughs> hi, Mr. Apollo, you know, and that's where the name came about. And then as time went by, some of the staff started referring to me as Mr. Apollo, and it's just a name that that stuck. So that's why when I decided to write my autobiography, and that was because people kept saying, Billy, you need to write your autobiography, tell your story, you know? And I said, I, I've never written a book. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know the first thing about a book, uh, uh, autobiography or anything. But what I did was, um, I remember in 2010, uh, the Apollo gets a call from the White House saying that 
Mrs. Obama, her mother and her daughters were going to be in New York mm -hmm. and they wanted to come to the Apollo for like a little tour. So the management tapped me to, to give Mrs. Obama a tour. Uh, <laughs> nobody in the staff was allowed, Secret Service didn't allow anybody to join, not the president, not nobody except me. So I'm taking Mrs. Obama around and I'm sharing with her. And, and she was very, very comfortable because the, the Secret Service guy says, man, she's really feeling good because I said, well, she's that's my sister, you know, <laughs> we can relate, you know, y'all may not understand it, but there's this, this spiritual connection. I don't care, you know, she has the title of the first lady, but she's, she's a black woman. She's one of my sisters. So we were singing Temptation songs, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and Sasha uh, Malia was doing, um, I remember they were doing, because we were doing like a little mock amateur night and Sasha Malia was singing um Mary Mary song shackles on my feet <laughs> and they were killing it man they were like I said damn look at these little girls but you know you would think that well they wouldn't have the moves but then also dawn me wait a minute they're black so they know how to get down right so yeah, I was, but Miss Obama made a comment to me after the tour she said you know you need to write your book you need to write a book about and I said wow She's not the only, you know, I've heard other people say, and that gave me that seed that I needed to consider it. So I went to my dear friend, Herb Boyd, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Amsterdam News. Herb Boyd, Amsterdam News, you know, all that. And I said, Herb, I, I want to write the book. He says, man, just sit down and start writing, you know, you know, because uh, I was going to record it, but mm -hmm. I, the tapes kept messing up. So I just started writing and I went back to him and I says, Herb, can you transcribe what I wrote and let it make sense, you know, mm -hmm. to people? Because I'm all over the place. Different things happen at different times. So Herb says, okay, just submit it to me and I'll sit down and work on it. And then we decided to reach out to Darlene Gist, G-I-S-T, Darlene Gist. And she edited the book for me and we worked on the cover and we wanted to not have the Apollo logo in it. Uh, for various reasons, but we wanted to know people were talking about 125th Street. So we had 125th Street and yada, yada, yada. And we created the the, the cover for the book. And uh, that's, uh, that's I'm working on my, my second book right now because a lot has happened uh, since that book came out in my mm -hmm. life and at the Apollo Theater. Uh, things that I now want to share. Uh, you know, I, the first book was about uh, how I started and my journey to, to uh, up until 2010. Uh, this book is about other things that happened, uh, things that I want to share. Some are, are good uh, memories, some are bad, uh, you know, but that's just, you know, how we all evolve. We go through these ups and downs. We go to these dark places. We go to these, these bright places. Uh, we, we send out good energy. We receive good energy, you know, and how it, it affected me where I am to this day, uh, how I've grown you know, uh, and from, from things that I've done in the past and, and things that I look forward to doing, you know. Uh, so the second book is going to uh, drop some bombs. That <laughs> oh. Yeah, I got it. Well, you know, the truth, the truth is the truth. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I always try to tell the truth as far as I know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't speak on something that I have no, no knowledge of uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're just, you're just spreading rumors. You're just spreading, uh, you know, uh, folklore. And that's the problem with a lot of things that were said or are being said about the Apollo Theater. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of his story, you know, mm -hmm. rather mm -hmm. than the truth. 
So rather than go by his story, I created the tour to tell my experience and some of the truths that I can prove, you know? So there, there's, there's uh, 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 it's always uh, interesting to talk about their power and you hear people say things on the street about things that they, that they think happen at their power when they don't really know what they're talking about. Uh, I found that out a lot over the years. Uh, uh, but you can't argue with people. I let people be who they are, where they are, mm -hmm. but I know the truth about a lot of stuff, you know? So, you know, there's always folklores and rumors about the Apollo, man. You're going to hear that even about us as a people, you know, people don't know the truth. Sometimes we don't know the truth about who we really are, you know? Well, well let me ask you this then. Mm -hmm. Is it a rumor mm -hmm. or the truth? Right. That if you close the doors, lock down the Apollo Theater, mm -hmm. and at night, some people have seen or they've, they've seen the, the images of or, or, or say they've heard uh, uh, the spirits of past performers. Is that true or well, is it a rumor? Let me tell you, in my personal experience, there are spirits in the Apollo Theater, without a doubt. There, I've never seen a ghost See, ghosts, they're visual stuff that, mm -hmm. you, that you see. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a ghost, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my uh, God knows I'm telling the truth. When you walk in that theater, you feel the spirit. And when I walk in that theater, there's times I walked into the main auditorium, uh, you know, the lights were out. There's nobody in there except the ghost light that we leave on stage at all times. It's called a ghost light. So it's called a ghost light so that when the spirits or, or ghosts are walking around, they don't trip over falling. All theaters have a ghost light, even on Broadway. There's a one light, yeah. But, but I'm telling you, you feel this energy, you know? You feel this energy. Before I start my tours, right, uh, I never let anyone sit in the front two rows because when, when I'm doing the tours, we start out in the auditorium and people are seated, you know, and very, I never let anybody sit in the front two rows because I tell people that's where the ancestors, that's where Marvin Gaye is sitting, that's where Michael Jackson, that's where James Brown, Duke Ellington, Billy Holiday, they're, Flip Wills, they're all sitting. So I never let anybody sit in the front. And people just think, this dude is weird. Why, why is he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this dude, why can't we sit in the front row? No, that's where the ancestors. And I, I feed off that energy and I ask them for permission to tell their story. I always ask for the permission. That, that goes back to our, in, 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 our, in our culture, in the village of Africa. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Ask the elders for permission to speak. You just don't, you know, talk your, your stuff. You know, you, you, you better shut up. You, 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 know, you know, so I ask their permission to speak and share their stories. And I feel their spirit, even though you hear these sounds, because the, the building is old. You walk in there, even when you're walking up the aisles, you're going to hear little, you know, the floors moving and, and sounds and things happening over there. To the average person, it'll scare you to death and you want to run out the theater, right? But to somebody who knows what it is, I'm not afraid. Now, on the other hand, if I did see a ghost <laughs> in that building, uh -huh. I would run through one of those damn walls and get the hell up out of there. <laughs> Quickly, and you can stay Jackie Robinson. You let me see the ghost up in there. I'm gone, bro. I'm gone. I don't blame you. Me too. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm out of here. Look, because uh, uh, we're running out of time, but I did, did want to say that you're the host of uh, Signature Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, the Apollo Signature Saturdays, and uh, uh, and I have had the opportunity 
of uh, writing my signature on the wall. However, the white ink uh, ran out before I could finish my name. So I never ah. got a chance to complete my name. But tell the audience of, of what you're doing with Signature Saturdays. Right. Uh, and, and, and Signature Saturdays, shout out to uh, Fatima Jones, uh, who is the director of, of uh, uh, marketing and communications, and uh, Miss Kirsten Stevens. Uh, who is our digital uh, director for for marketing? Uh, that was their idea. That uh, you know, because you know, during the tours that I do, we talk about the signatures. See, backstage, stage right at the Apollo Theater. Uh, back in the 1980s, the stage crew decided to have performers after they did their set to come and sign their names on the wall. And this went on for a while. And sometimes we had shows where we would see celebrities in the audience and we would invite them to come up and sign their names up on the wall. So the people in our marketing, uh, Fatima and Kirsten, uh, they came up with this idea to do this signature Saturday. They started doing Black History Month where I would talk about each of the signatures and the backstory behind it and who signed it and how this all came about. So that was our signature Saturdays that we started, uh, you know, thanks to our, our marketing department, uh, the incredible Fatima Jones and Kirsten Stevens. And that was their idea. And they tapped me to host it. That's fantastic. Now, we might as well give shout outs to uh, Janelle Prokope and, oh, yeah. and, 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 and to Camila Forbes uh, uh, for their wonderful job there at the Apollo Theater. We've got about two minutes left. Uh, yes. Tell people, uh, uh, give them one hook in your book so they can go out and buy They Call Me Mr. Apollo. Right. You can purchase a copy of the book. And I, and I urge you to do that because some of the proceeds from the book, uh, I sponsor a basketball team in Harlem called Playing, uh, 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 playing on the Edge Basketball. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for about nine years and oh, they were having some financial issues. So I decided to donate some of the proceeds from my books to this organization. But you can purchase the book by going to Blurb, B-L-U-R-B dot com. Blurb.com. The book is called They Call Me Mr. Apollo. It is a quick read. I want people to know it's a quick read. Uh, it's not a whole thick, you know, thing, but it's it's the it's my first book. Uh, and I, I would appreciate it. It has some images of me and some of my friends that I came up with that are now major, major stars. Cause you know I'm from Mount Vernon, New York. Denzel Washington is one of them. That's that's one of my boys. We grew up together as kids together and uh uh, the first movie that I ever did in which I actually spoke, because like yourself, I'm an actor. But the first movie that we ever did, uh, I was in a scene with Denzel in the movie Malcolm X uh, speaking, you know, yeah, and, uh, all and, right. and then that just opened up the door for other things. But uh, that's one of my guys. Uh, you know, I've known him uh, since he was about maybe seven, eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, uh, we've got one minute, but this has been really, really a great conversation. Uh, you are a, a wonderful asset for the Apollo Theater, mm -hmm. and I certainly hope that they're grooming someone to replace you if something ever happens to you. Because who who else has these stories? I mean, you know, to to tell, but you. But thank you so much, uh, Billy Mitchell, for Sorry. coming to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander and. Thank you to the Apollo Theater for all the love they've given me over the years. Sure. And ladies and gentlemen, continue to go to the theater.org for their uh, schedule, calendars, events, and even to make a donation uh, to help them during the, the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. So thank you so very much. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. Don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walked a mile in his or her shoes. And remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. I'm G. Keith Alexander. See you next week. Oh.
Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh, oh.